Okay, so this talk is on the new evangelization, the diocesan priesthood, and America. Um, and so you might possibly remember when I was first introduced to the PCJ, I talked about why my delight, my excitement in being in America is because I think America has a pivotal role in the new evangelization. So I'm going to kind of elaborate on that as what you might say is my, my pet theory but also as an illumination, uh, a rationale, um, for putting a context for the whole thing about what the new evangelization in your future priesthood needs to look like, what it needs to be driven by. So I'm going to make four basic points. First, I'm going to talk about the state of the world today. I'm going to talk about how, um, and you know, lots of church documents make this point, that the new evangelization has to color everything that we do as priests, as Christians, in our parishes. So as um, Evangelii Gaudium of Pope Francis says, missionary outreach is paradigmatic of all the church's activity, that this is what we exist for. So whether I'm preaching from the pulpit, whether I'm doing First Holy Communion Catechesis, whether I'm visiting the elderly, the vision of the new evangelization has to be the model I am bringing to each of those situations. I'm bringing Christ to this person in the model of the new evangelization, in all of my different activities. That's what models everything we do. A third point was gonna be that at this moment in history, we are, you know, every moment of history is unique, but I think this moment of history is, in a sense, more unique, more pivotal than others. And that I think America has a particular role in that. And then the last stage of my talk is going to focus on the parish and thus the diocesan priest as the locus for that kind of front line of the new evangelization. So first, the state of the world. What is the state of the world that we are living in today? Um, well, two pretty obvious things we might point to. One is a mass apostasy that we're witnessing throughout the Western world. That it doesn't matter what statistic you choose to focus on, numbers down in a colossally dramatic way. And when the baby boomers die off, we're going to see all those statistics plunge rapidly even further. That we are living through a massive apostasy in which an entire group of cultures in the Western world have turned their back on God. But at the same time, we are living in this moment of the church's history when the church isn't calling us to batten down the hatches, but is calling us to go out and live a new evangelization. Um, so these are two very distinct, but in a sense, different ways of how am I going to say what defines this moment of history. And I would say they parallel what I would describe as two scenarios of what is coming next. One is that we are living through a prelude to the second coming that the world is about to end, that Christ is about to come again, and everything we're witnessing is a part of that. So 
a third of priests left the priesthood after the Second Vatican Council. Was that the book of Revelations, a the dragon hurling a third of the stars from the sky? Was all the people in the book of Revelation turning and uh, it, it, was that the, the great apostasy numerically that we're witnessing now? Um, there are lots of bits you could point to that would say we are living through a time so dramatic in the history of the church. This must be the great apostasy that precedes the second coming of Christ. But there's another reading that would say, well, no, this is just a tumultuous time but a prelude to a new dawn, that there's something new coming. And th this great towering figure of, of John Paul II was pivotal in preparing us to, to be instruments of making that happen. So John Paul II, actually, it's a very interesting book called um, Heralds of the Second Coming, in which it pieces together all kinds of Marian apparitions, the Divine Mercy apparitions and comments, but also many statements from John Paul II's sermons and talks. A repeated theme he had in his talks, watchmen. Um, so it's a phrase um, in the Old Testament, watchmen, what of the night? What of the night? Is the dawn coming? Um, is he returning? Um, so when John Paul II would have in his reflections on the millennium, on getting ready, watchmen, what of the night? What of the night? Is, is the dawn breaking? Is he coming? But if there isn't going to be The point I want to make with that is whether we are living in a prelude to the second coming or whether we are living in the beginning of a new dawn and a new evangelization, our lives are going to look pretty much the same. Because if a new Christendom is coming in a new Christian civilization, it's not going to come in the next 10 years. So the 50 years more or less of your priesthood is going to look the same whether we're preparing for the final battle of the Lord's return, whether we're summoning together that the last remnants calling them in, or whether that calling them in and building a new culture is building a new civilization that will be the next Christendom. In a sense, it doesn't matter which of those two, I think our parish context is going to look the same. And we won't know in our lifetime, I, I think, whether which of those it is. So we've got to be mentally thinking in a sense, both, not panicked at the thought, this is the great apostasy before the end, but also working towards building a new Christendom. Um, I, the, either way in our lifetime, that task is gonna look the same. So that's kind of my opening observation, the state of the world, the first of my kind of four points. Second point, just at the risk of stating the obvious, the evangelization is our purpose. So Pope Paul VI in Evangelii Nunziandi says, 
She, namely the church, exists in order to evangelize. Why is the church here? To bring Christ to people. This is why we're here. And to quote again that line from Pope Francis, missionary outreach is paradigmatic for all the church's activity. It's the model of all the church's activity. So to repeat that image again, so kind of obviously when I'm dealing with a convert or preaching, we can think of that as presenting Christ and the new evangelization. But when I'm visiting the elderly, the, some old man who's dying, I am going to bring Christ to that person. I'm going to win them to Christ. That encounter that characterizes the new evangelization, I need to make that real for him as he is dying. Likewise, in my first Holy Communion catechesis, when I am seeking to prepare that child, not just to receive the Lord Jesus, but to encounter the Lord Jesus, to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus, to know what it means to follow the Lord Jesus, that that, that whole model needs to be in my heart and in my presentation as I'm doing First Holy Communion Catechesis. That in everything we do in the life of the church, evangelization, presenting Christ, enabling an encounter with Christ, bringing someone to follow Christ, that is our model in every single thing we do. The missionary outreach is paradigmatic, is the model for all the church's activity. Okay, at the risk of driving the point home too much, in our American context, in our American seminary context, um, the latest draft of the program of priestly formation says that it is necessary that all priests have the heart of missionaries to be true to our identity. Um, and so and there's a whole section that that's what has to be trained into you as seminarians to make priests that have the heart of missionaries. And even though I'm going to talk about this phrase new evangelization in a bit, but when Monsignor Jessing founded the Josephinum, our seminary, missionary outreach was what he was talking about. So in the original constitution he wrote, he said, as founder of this college, I direct that its purpose is that students educated in this institution be devoted to missionary activity for the conversion of those living in the United States. And he goes on first to the Germans, then to all people to gain souls to Christ. So from our beginning as a seminary, we've been about missionary outreach. Um, and this is what the church is about. And it's in our moment of history what the church is reminding us we are about. So that's my second of the four points. It's just what we do, or should be what we're about. We're not just about maintaining an institution, maintaining a parish structure. We're about evangelization. Now my third point is contrasting the new evangelization and the old evangelization. So let's ask the question, what, um, 
a new evangelization would achieve. So the new evangelization, bringing people to Christ, bringing cultures to Christ, what would that achieve? What would it look like? Well, I'm going to use the phrase a new Christendom. So let's think back historically. We've got kind of two blocks where the church was fully embedded in culture and in life. We had the period under the Roman Empire after Rome had been converted and we had centuries in which the empire was Christian. The laws were inspired by Christians, that the Pope and the Emperor worked hand in glove. Um, that all collapsed um, when the empire collapsed. Augustine was so traumatized at the collapse of the Roman Empire, he thought the second coming was coming. He thought it was the end of the world. Much as we today can think the collapse we're living through must mean it's the end. But actually what followed was what we call Christendom. Um, pretty much a, a whole thousand years, a whole millennium, if not more, in which there was this integration in many little kingdoms, many little nation states of the church and the gospel um, and the governance. Um, that what was the standard by which people looked to for everything? It was the church, it was the gospel. Now, how well they lived it is obviously varies continually, but the church was the standard. Christ was present. What was your local place of worship? It was a Catholic church. For a thousand years, that was the structure of everything. We're now living in the collapse, the kind of final collapse of Christendom. So we had a partial collapse of the Protestant Reformation, a further step of it in the French Revolution. The last century has seen kind of the final crumbling of that old order. What would a new order, a new Christendom look like? So this would be then, in a sense, the third incarnation of gospel and culture in a package. Well, what is kind of characteristic of what church teaching has been driving towards, I would say, um, greater dignity of the human person, things like democracy, um, things like capitalism, enterprise, that whereas in the old Christendom, you had your Lord and you had the serfs working under him with, yes, the serfs had rights and so forth from the Lord, but there wasn't the dignity of the person that the combination of democracy, capitalism, free enterprise, religious liberty, can put together in a new package in a way that America is the nation, is the constitution, is the culture that seems most poised to create something that would be a new Christendom. And obviously in America, that is very, very far from perfect in how it's presently here. That America was set up with slavery in the midst of talk of human dignity. Um, that we have the, the dignity of the person reflected in free enterprise and capitalism, but also with great abuses of capitalism. 
but I would suggest that there's the potential here for a whole new integration of culture and faith, economics, governance. There would be something new, not just the collapse before the second coming, but a new way of the gospel being present. And that America more than anywhere is situated to do that. And that that would kind of join up lots of dots of teachings of the Second Vatican Council, teachings of John Paul II on human dignity. There would be a trajectory that that would all kind of feed towards. Let's think back differently to the old evangelization. So the first time that the gospel was going forth in what were, you know, basically Europe, Asia, um, some parts of Africa and the East. Um, the Roman Empire, the Pax Romana, made it possible for the gospel to spread in a number of ways. That God's providence, you know, lots of commentators made this point, that the Roman Empire seems to have been put there by God to enable the gospel to spread. That there was one common language everyone was able to communicate with Latin. This enabled the gospel to spread even in all those different cultures and nations. There was one peace, one common set of ideas and culture, the, the Pax Romana, and one center that everybody looked to, namely Rome. And they might look to it and hate it, or look to it and admire it, but everybody looked to Rome. What would be needed for a new evangelization? Well, again, a common language. We've got English. Again, America kind of at the heart of that being an opportunity. You could say a shared culture, and I think the internet gives us uh, a way we can see that. You need a center also where there is the living of the gospel. And America, even with uh, the decline in faith and problems here, America more than anywhere in the world has a living Christian culture, places where there are enough Christians living together that it's not isolated individuals, it is a culture that that could be the center, the springboard for taking it across the world. Um, and that everybody looks to America. Even, just as I say, Rome, everyone looked to Rome, whether they hated it or loved it, everyone looks to America, whether they love it or hate it. Coca-Cola is everywhere. McDonald's is everywhere. If America can become this new Christendom, it will be a model that will be instantly ready to spread everywhere. So every bit of work you do here in America has this capacity to spread not just in your little patch, but to transform the entire world. And there are lots of ways, I think, other that we could say America is uniquely poised to be the springboard of the new evangelization. You could say, well, Poland, Poland's much more Catholic, Poland's much more solid, but nobody looks to Poland. You know, I'm, I'm three-eighths Polish, I love Poland, but 
nobody looks to Poland. Poland is not going to be the center of the new evangelization. Chinese, well, every, you know, a billion people speak Chinese, but kind of not worldwide. It's not so that it, it doesn't make sense to think, well, the, the focus of the new evangelization is going to start in China. Um, that it's the American culture that I'm suggesting to you is the place where the battle for the new evangelization is going to be won or lost. That the new Christendom is either going to happen here or it's not going to happen. Um, and I know you feel you're struggling here. You feel you're in an irreligious culture. But when Europeans mock America, one of the things they mock most is your religiosity. That in comparison to the rest of the world, this is still looked at as a deeply religious culture. And the things that need, to kind of repeat the point, that need to be won over, transformed, purified, created for a new Christendom, it's the battles you're fighting here. If you fight them and win them here, it will create the culture to transform the world. So your battle with consumerism here, your battle with sexual license here, the marrying, and as much how can that be possible, democracy and the gospel, you know, there's real tensions there, how to make that work in which it isn't the will of the people above the gospel, but somehow serving the gospel, but that democracy becomes the mechanism. Similarly, the marrying of capital and industry with human dignity. All of these battles, if they can be won here, we can have a new Christendom for the whole world. And that's what I think is the challenge of the new evangelization, particularly here in America. So that's my third point. Fourth point, the parish context and the diocesan priest. So Pope Francis, um, I was very struck when he said this, and it took me actually a while to be thoroughly convinced by him, but that he writes about the parish as being the primary place for the new evangelization. Not missionary experts, not, you know, I love focus, as you all know, but I think even more than focus, it's the parish that has to be the heart of the new evangelization. So Pope Francis says, the parish is not an outdated institution, precisely because it possesses great flexibility. The parish covers so much the parish has therefore so much potential to be transformed um, in the new evangelization. All of its activities, in all of its activities, the parish should encourage and train its members to be evangelizers. Um, that this, the parish should be the place where we're doing this. And therefore, as diocesan priests, you shouldn't be thinking, well, this is for some experts to be doing somewhere else. No, you in the parish, you as priests in the parish, this is the primary place the new evangelization is to be happening. And you as priests need to be training your people to be doing it. 
So let's spell that out in a few more details, so to speak. Um, Evangelii Gaudium, uh, Pope Francis, he repeats the teaching of John Paul II repeatedly before him in identifying three what he calls principal settings of the new evangelization that are each in different ways what the new evangelization is about. So one of them, in a sense, is maybe the most obvious, to speak to those who do not know Jesus Christ or who have always rejected him, to speak to them and bring them to know the Lord, to love the Lord. That's kind of one setting. The second setting, um, and Pope Benedict spoke very clearly on this, is about the need to bring the lapsed and the nominally baptized to conversion and active faith. So that the church is saying that is evangelization. So someone, yes, they've been baptized, yes, they've received the sacraments, but actually they're not Christian. We need to bring Christ to them, enable them to know and love the Lord. That's the, the second principle setting. And the third, to inflame those already active in the Catholic faith. So those people that are already there every Sunday, already there every weekday mass, they always need to be fired up. They always need to have Christ presented to them afresh so that they are enabled to know him more, love him more. That too is the work of the new evangelization. And this is why the church exists. So in speaking of the parish, Pope Francis says we need to, to move beyond a pastoral ministry of mere conservation to a decidedly missionary pastoral ministry. As I'm sure you've seen again and again, many of our parishes are just about kind of repeating what we've done before, conserving what we've done before, that the, the goal isn't really seen beyond uh, catechizing, sacramentalizing the children of people that are already families. Um, that's conserving the existing structure. Pope Francis is saying that isn't what the church is about. So he says, the new evangelization must transform everything, transform everything in the church, everything. Our customs, our ways of doing things, our times, our schedules, our language, our structures. So you know, most things in your parish are designed to serve the people that are already there. That's different from designing things to serve the outsider, to serve the person who might come in. If we are, to use Pope Francis's term, going to transform everything, we need to look at everything and think, the outsider, how are they going to engage, or how might it be possible for them to engage? with what we're doing here. Okay, that's my kind of last theoretical bit here. Um, 
what is evangelization? What is the structure of evangelization uh, as it's described um, in the Synod of Bishops um, on the new evangelization by Pope Francis? Um, so the structure of evangelization is this. It's like introducing and making a friend. That you introduce someone to your friend. That that introduction enables someone to encounter Christ, enables someone to meet Christ, enables someone to start to have a relationship with Christ. And none of that can happen unless that introduction happens. And once that introduction happens, they then need to be supported in that new relationship in catechesis, in the sacraments, uh, in prayer. Um, but that encounter is the pivot. So the Instrumentum Laboris of the Synod of Bishops on the Evangelization in 2012 phrases it this way, the goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter. And that's a very simple but very pivotal way of looking at all parish life. How does this activity make it possible for someone to encounter Christ? So you can run a bingo evening as a way of being drawing people in, or you can run a bingo evening just as a thing that we do that those can be two, somehow the same activity can become utterly different by a different goal, a different structuring, um, the advertising that surrounds it, what's there when someone comes to the bingo. Um, the goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter. You can't make the encounter happen. You can't make someone follow Christ. You can't make someone believe in him, but you can make it possible to encounter him. A couple of quotes in this regard from Pope Francis that I think are very to the point. So Evangelii Gaudium, paragraph seven, he says, he says, I never tire of repeating those words of Pope Benedict, which take us to the very heart of the gospel. The quote, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. That's what it means to be a Christian, to encounter Christ. So there's people that say, oh, well, it's all about living a good life. It's all about um, our example. No, it isn't. It's about encountering Christ. And Pope Francis has, he, he, you know, in his writings, he speaks often about joy and how 
Joy, he says, fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Christ. So when you've, you know, when a young man meets a young woman and he becomes his girlfriend, you don't need to tell him to be happy. He's instantly happy. That encounter does that. Uh, Joy flows out of encountering Christ. And he has a beautiful observation. He says, the apostles never forgot the moment when Jesus touched their hearts. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So John chapter one, verse 39, he can remember the very time in the afternoon when he first met the Lord there at the Lake of Galilee. The encounter. We've got to make that encounter possible. Okay, fairly briefly, I want to describe to you what I did myself in the two parishes where I was a pastor. So I was in, you know, a pastor, two parishes, one after the other. So one of the things I did in both of them, how do you get the new evangelization on the radar of your parishioners? Because the new evangelization isn't about you as priest doing it all. It's about you transforming the parish, getting the people to see this is what they should be about. Well, imagine you've all seen Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples. Um, So I gave out free copies to my parishioners and I set up Um, book reading groups. So on one level I introduced it with preaching saying this book is going to define the parish. I use Pope Francis' term transform everything. I am going, as I said in one of my parishes, first month I was there, I said I'm going to change everything here. If you want to know how I'm going to change everything it's going to be according to the vision of the new evangelization. If you want to know what that means I'm going to spell it out um, in these book reading groups. So I got a fair um, turnout to those groups. Uh, And what we did in those groups, and I had about a third of the parish attend those, which on one level doesn't sound much, but actually if you know how parishes work, third is is a lot. Because that was, in a sense, almost all of my active parishioners. Um, And what we did is every week we met and we discussed two chapters of that book over six weeks. Um, and most parishioners actually don't read much, or they don't mean, read much about religion. If you can get them to read one good religious book, um, it transforms people's thinking a lot. Linked with that, I did an evangelization talk series. I did a series of three talks connected with that reading group uh, sequentially in which I described myself as their pastor. This is my vision for you. This is what evangelization looks like. This is what a parish has to look like and has to change. In my preaching, um, I would repeatedly refer to evangelization. Um, And with that, the need to invite people to things. So lots of books on the new evangelization will talk about how we need in our parishes a culture of invitation. 
in which it ceases to be a weird thing to invite a non-Catholic along. And yet in most of our parishes, that's the opposite. In most of our parishes, if you said to your parishioners, I want you to invite a non-Catholic, your neighbor next door, I want you to invite him along to Christmas Mass. Um, that's outside of our comfort zone for most. Um, so you need to preach about that often enough that your parishioners, before they start doing it, have heard it often enough that they've come to think, actually, this should be something I'm doing. And then hear it often enough that they're thinking, when might I say something to Bob next door? To be looking for an opportunity to invite. And then you need in your parish to have all kinds of welcome events that someone could come along to, that someone could be invited to. So for me, the two pretty obvious pivotal ones each year were after Christmas and after Easter. So to invite a neighbor to come to Christmas Mass um, is kind of the least threatening invite of the whole year, because lots of people might attend a Christmas thing without that much of a sense that they're being asked to commit for the long term. But then if your Christmas preaching, your sermon, the, the leaflet that you're handing to people as they leave Christmas Mass is all then inviting them to a follow-up invitational event about the Christmas message, about the Gospel, about... Um, you need to have multiple welcome events that people can be invited to and in your preaching get through to your parishioners that it should be a normal thing to do. So you need publicity for that, you need welcome cards to invite people to that to make it easy for your parishioners and with your parishioners the fact that person-to-person -person contact is you know vastly more significant than just shoving something through somebody's letterbox. Um, another thing I sought to change was how we did as a parish uh, children's catechesis. So as I've said already with First Holy Communion, somehow a greater focus on the person of Christ. So children can't understand abstract ideas yet but they can understand narratives in the Bible that describe meeting God in the different ways. And if you're describing how people in the Bible met God, you're describing in parallel what's in prayer for us it's like to meet God. Um, so shifting the focus in our catechesis to this thing of encounter. Because if we don't do that, what we do is what's been standard for some decades in our parish. Um, and Sherry Waddell would critique this as kind of 1950s before the council as well. Um, that we just catechize people that haven't been evangelized. People that don't know the Lord, but we teach them the basics. That the Eucharist is Jesus, but we don't really tell them who Jesus is. And it just, therefore, the dots don't join up. Then the last thing, um, what did I do in my parishes? Um, 
Well, I'm sure many of you will have, if you've been reading books on parish renewal, you need a parish leadership team. You need a parish evangelization team. So the old model in many parishes was a, a parish pastoral council. Most of those councils were focused on governance, focused on bureaucracy. They were about little power struggles to make sure this group and that group and the other group were all represented and fighting their corner. A leadership team, a parish evangelization team, is utterly different. It's focused on how do we make this vision permeate every activity that's happening in the parish. Um, and that's, I think, much more important um, than having some little political grouping in a parish council. Um, and all of these suggestions I'm kind of summarizing here are not mine that I've dreamt up. Um, books like Divine Renovation, um, like Rebuilt, um, talk about parish structures, changing the parish structures. Um, one final closing image, um, the Rebuilt book has a whole thing about thinking how an outsider coming to your church for the first time for Sunday Mass, what is the experience like to them? So they turn up and the toilet is disgusting and dirty and not fit for use. They get to their seat and there's dirt and bubble gum and whatever on it. Right the way through, the, the experience of the singing, the does, did somebody welcome them? Was, what was the car, parking lot like? All of that is a kind of a practical way of thinking. What is the experience like for the outsider? Anyway, so those two books are two of, I'd say the best books, but not the only books out there on changing parish culture for the new evangelization. Okay, so summarizing. summarizing so what have I been talking about? So first of all, I talked about the state of the world. I said, you know, what are we living through? Is it the great apostasy and the last battle before the second coming of the Lord? Or is it just yet another wave of one Christian culture collapsing and the birth pangs of another coming? And that we don't know which of those we're living through. For the next 50 years, our priesthood is gonna look the same we've got to fight as if it's a new Christendom we're building. Because it's the same, in effect, battle if we're just gathering in the last remnant before the Lord returns. Second, I said we exist in order to evangelize. That is our mission. That's everything, determines everything we do. Third, I said that America is uniquely poised for this task, whether it's the last battle or whether it's the new evangelization and the new Christendom. America is uniquely poised for this task. Um, and fourthly, that parishes are the primary context for this, and that therefore you as future priests, you need to be ready to lead them in that task. <clears throat>